This is a Broad Pods production. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This is Broad Radio. For you, by you. Broad Radio. Here for more. Hello and welcome to Broad Radio this Tuesday morning. My name's Joe Stanley and my co-host today is the delightful Kerry Stanley. Hi there, Kez. Hello, hello. How are you today? And straight off the bat, Happy half year anniversary, six months. Way to go, Broad Radio. Oh, I know. My goodness. This is episode 25. So, yeah, we launched 5th of January. So it's been an awesome six months as we've kind of got to know each other, got to know what we're talking about, worked out how our systems work with beautiful Ro over there who's <laughs> running a very smooth operation now. So, yeah, it's been it's been a gorgeous six months. Thanks so much, Kez. Oh, congratulations to you, Joe. It's amazing what you're doing and pushing through everything with mm. all the hurdles, tech being one of them, of course. Mm. Well done, Ro, and, uh, and to all of your amazing guests and co-hosts um, that you've had on. Up. And thank you for having me on. Hello. Oh, I love it. I love it, Kerry. I love having you. So today it's a really interesting show. I'm here to learn today. We're going to be learning about our hormones with women's health expert, Nat Kringudis. And I'm ashamed to say, Kerry, I'm like 48, turning 49 soon. I know very little about my own hormones. Isn't that mad? Me too. Absolutely. I think the most I've kind of thought about it was um, going through menopause and now out the other side. And I know we're not going to be really talking about that today, but that's kind of the only time I've really paid attention to it. Yeah, I'm here for all the learning today as well. Yes. And we're going to be telling you about an amazing campaign that Women's Health Victoria have pulled together. It's called SheQual. And it's a movement for advertising equality. Uh, We're going to be joined by Fran Clayton, Chief Strategy Officer at DDB Sydney, to learn what needs to change to stop sexism in advertising. It's all around us and it impacts all of us much more than we think. So cannot wait for that conversation. Kerry, just a little bit of uh, housekeeping up the top before we get into our meaty conversations today. If you're watching on YouTube, we'd love it if you could like and subscribe. If you're watching on Facebook, chuck us a like and a follow. And of course, you can always catch up with our podcast anytime you like. All of our episodes are there, Broad Radio On The Go, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we love it when you join our conversation. So if you want to comment throughout today's show, we'd love to hear what you think and, and feel around what we're talking about. And we always invite you to enter our More To Say poll. It's a one-question poll that we run every week. And 
Kerry, this last week, we asked the question, Mayor of Easttown is reminding us how awesome lady detectives are. Who is your favourite? And I don't think it's a surprise to you that Mariska Hargitay, <laughs> as Olivia Benson in SVU, has come in at number one. You're a big fan? <laughs> you don't have to be a lesbian to be a big fan. But <laughs> considering I am, woo <laughs> What is it about her? I've never really kind of watched the show. So where's the the joy? Oh, I think, you know, having such a strong character on the screen, it's been going for 23 years now, I think. Um, And she's been in every single season. What a gal. Yeah, she's powerful. She's present. Um, Yeah, she's straight, but, yeah, that's all right. We overlook that. (laughs) (laughs) She's just a a, a great icon for her our community isn't yes. it funny i don't know why we all just go whoa yes and she looks good in a suit well that's <laughs> maybe that's partly it i mean oh no but she is a super powerful uh character a role i suppose and you know to have that lady detective i mean she was one of the first wasn't she Yes, yeah, she was. Mm. And if you follow her on Instagram, as I do, um, mm. she's got a really big following. And she does use her platform to, you know, for, for great advocacy as well. So she's a great all-around amazing woman. Well done. Awesome. Well done to the broad radio audience who chose her. Um, yes. Now, our next survey is relating to menopause, actually. So next week on the show, we're going to be chatting with Dr. Rosie Worsley, who is an endocrinologist from Jean Hiles for Women's Health. Um, and we're going to be talking about menopause and perimenopause with her. So we really want to get a sense going into that interview where our audience is at with menopause and perimenopause. There's two stages to it, hence we're saying both. But we want to know... How much do you know about menopause? Um, Because I think people frequently go into it really having absolutely no idea. So we'd love you to get on board and answer our More to Say poll. Just head to broadradio.com.au and you go in the running for winning $100 of delicious biscuits of your choice at Charlie's Fine Food Company. Delicious, oh my goodness. Um, So, of course, you can always head to charliesfinefoodco.com for a little bit of a shopping spree on biscuits. Who doesn't love biscuits? So, yeah, head along and I look forward to learning what our audience knows or believes or their experience of menopause has been for them. Um, So, Kerry, happy Pride Month to you. It is Pride Month. Thank you. It is Pride Month. I would love to get from you an understanding of how important it is. Yeah, well, Pride Month in Australia I think is kind of a relatively new-ish, well, celebration I think due to social media it's really come to the forefront it's certainly been um, really big overseas it did start um, as uh, an homage to the 1969 Stonewall riots that happened down in the East Village which was confrontation between patrons and the police and so that happened um, that happened in June 69 June 1 um, 69 and so you know it's you know it's now held every year around the world to to commemorate and also to celebrate and to bring awareness to our communities. Um, in fact, in Australia, the first Sydney Mardi Gras was held in June in 1978. And so if you actually kind of hear the term the 78ers around Mardi Gras, it's to commemorate and, um, and pay homage to those people that were in that very first march uh, down Oxford Street, which was met with police violence, even though they did actually get 
um, permission to do the parade. Uh, it, it was then revoked, but they still did it anyway. It was a peaceful protest and it was met with um, a, a clashing with police. Many arrests were done. Many people were outed because names were printed in the paper. It was a really um, tumultuous time. And so they held the parade in Sydney again a couple of times, but then it was uh, voted to move to summertime and, and it's since stayed there ever since. Mm-hmm. So, yes, um, so originally Pride Month. So we do celebrate um, Pride Month in Australia now. Sydney actually has uh, a big contingency around that as well. And we've also been awarded uh, upcoming in 2023 World Pride, which is mm. going to be absolutely amazing. It's held every couple of years um, in different locations around the world with Sydney being allocated that coming up. And so that's going to be an incredible, not only celebration, but a time for advocacy as well. They um, are running um, a human rights conference over three days so it's not just the party and the goods and glamour there's also some serious issues that um, we'll be discussing around that time as well yeah Yeah, I think um, it's really important to acknowledge and for many people perhaps uh, if you really haven't done a deep dive into the history um, it's it's important to acknowledge the activism that has come through many many well hundreds of years really people who were very oppressed and abused and um, some people lost their lives in the fight for freedom to live as you are basically um it's really important to acknowledge that and also though that huge part of pride month which is celebration and i have snaffled a little photo of you and your partner oh, Lexi. Yes. <laughs> yeah that's um lexi aka sexy the lexi uh in, and myself at a big party in sydney yes we managed to get there um last friday night um and yeah that was part of pride month celebrations in sydney at glitterland and sexy galaxy is the original glamour boy drag king performer mm. around the world she was the first to, to do this and uh, yeah Thank you. We looked sparkly, didn't we? You really <laughs> look like you're having the time of your life. And I've got to tell you, I'm green with envy. I want to be at that party. It looks it so was awesome. great. It was, I think, too, it was you know, it was one of the first ones back after kind of all the everything that's gone on, as we know. Mm. And it was heaving. It I was like a mini Big Mighty Grow after party. Great people, great times. It was, yeah, nice to have a good boogie, I have to say. Well, happy Pride Month to everybody around the world. I think it's a really beautiful time and and, uh, we're with you in celebrating and commemorating. Um, While we're on topical news, before we get to our first guest, I just need to mention... With much disgust, the return of Barnaby Joyce as leader of the National Mm -hmm. Party and now, because of that, our Deputy Prime Minister. So there's been considerable outrage around his appointment Um, and for us here at Broad Radio, it's largely down to the fact that um, somehow history gets erased and it's enraging that um, the fact that he resigned as leader of the National Party because of a sexual harassment allegation that was never actually resolved. So that hasn't gone away. Um, He did claim innocence. He said that uh, he denied the allegations. But um, the woman, Catherine Marriott, who claimed that uh, she was subjected to sexual harassment at his hand, um, she lodged a confidential complaint with the federal branch of the National Party and somehow that was leaked. This is way back in uh, 2016. So um, how devastating for her that the situation was leaked. She ended up on the cover of the front pages. That was a pretty unfortunate thing for her she said it was absolutely terrifying for her Um, there was an investigation he denied it as I said but those uh, allegations never were resolved and so he resigned at that time and now he's 
back. And this is a year where we have turned to our politicians and particularly our government to say, tell the women of Australia that you are hearing us, that you support us, that you know that you're going to change the culture within Parliament House. And then this has happened. And it really kind of sends a message that um, maybe we're not being heard and maybe yeah. our government uh, is not putting women's safety and respect for women um, at the forefront. It's pretty disappointing. Yeah, Joe, and full transparency, I know I've said this to you before, like I tend to avoid politics. Um, I think it's just due to a lack of understanding, but no more. Like it's now it's time, it's up to me to start to really open my eyes and not just go, oh, it's, I can't deal with it, but to actually have a good understanding of it. And this is case in point, exactly what I need. To, I personally need to be looking at as well and going, okay, mm. Why? Like it's it's being across it all now and go, okay, and if this last year has taught us anything, we need to be like we said, you know, we've been let down by our mm. politicians. Now we need to have an I need to have an understanding of why. And um and yes, knowing this this about this man, okay, it, we need to be I need to be across it a whole well, lot more. The other yeah. alarming thing is that he is this he's pretty close to a climate change denier. I mean, he's not supportive of, an, of a zero net emissions scheme at all, which that to me is betrayal of our future. Like he has two young children, two and three year old children. Like, don't you want yeah. our world to be a better place for them and to actually provide them with, a, you know, a planet to live on? I, I, it enrages me from that point of view too. So yeah. it's a pretty disappointing result for our country. Um, and uh, yeah, as far as, uh, particularly for this woman, Catherine Marriott, who I know went through a very traumatic time and, I'm thinking of her, I have to say, because I think this would be yeah. very difficult for her. It does remind me of a great story, though. Um, and, I, you know, I'm a comedian, so I always like to end on a laugh. Please. <laughs> yeah. OK, so um, it reminds me of a story, Kez, when Gough Whitlam was in Parliament once and a what was effectively a nationals politician back then in Parliament called out to Gough Whitlam, I am a country member, to which Gough said, I remember. <laughs> I am a country member. <laughs> anyway. Uh, well done, mother. Well done. Thanks, Gough. <laughs> um, let's get to our next guest after this. All right, we want to tell you about this amazing campaign from Women's Health Victoria that we are really getting behind. It's called Shequal, and it's all about calling out and ending sexism in advertising. Um, obviously, we are surrounded by advertising all the time, and the fact is that it informs really the way we see ourselves, it informs our relationships with each other, and often it limits who we know ourselves to be. So um, we're very, very passionate about this campaign. Um, it's a campaign that empowers us to drive for change, basically, because all of us, doesn't matter what our role is, whether we work in advertising, whether we work in media like we do, or even just as consumers, we do have the power to make a difference and to push for change. So um, this has been backed up by some of the industry's most powerful and influential organisations, including DDB Sydney. And joining us from DDB now is Chief Strategy Officer Fran Clayton. Good morning, Fran. Morning, Good morning. Thanks for having me. It is so lovely to have you on Broad Radio. Um, can I be facetious to begin with? And so sexism can take many different forms in advertising, whether it's underrepresentation of women or 
diverse kinds of women, whether it's gender stereotypes. Um, so we're seeing, you know, women only as mums or grandmas or, you know, carers, mm. or whether it's mm. highly sexualizing women. So to be facetious, what is your worst kind of sexism in advertising? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, for me personally, um, the journey kind of started right at the beginning of my career when um, I was I was sort of told by a client that um, you know we had to target um, household shoppers, you know, women um, for for a certain brief, um, and it was I think it was for bread. I mean, men eat bread too, right? Um, <laughs> and I remember feeling kind of enraged at. Um, this idea that we had to continually write women into a role. Um, and I think that that's actually, it's, it's bigger than a gender issue. It's about um, the role that advertising plays to either perpetuate narrow stereotypes or to challenge them. So personally, that's what I'm passionate about is how do we, how can, can advertising, you know, um, start to, to challenge and shift some of these stereotypes that can, um, you know, at worst can really write people into into roles in, in society and culture that are limiting for them. Fran, how challenging are you finding this? Like a passion, of course, is great to be, be, to be behind it, but who's got your back behind mm. you? And also, um, and how, is it a slow burn or are you getting frustrated with the, with the changes or lack of? You know, I think it feels like it goes in fits and starts. I feel like the last, you know, year and certainly the last couple of years, there have been huge, um, huge changes and and quite a bit of progress in certain areas. But then, you know, to the point about Barnaby Joyce, it feels like we take 10 steps back as quickly as, as we move forward. Um, it's kind of, it's it's always there as a challenge and it's about, looking for the opportunities where they present themselves. So there are some, you know, I, I work for um, for DDB and we have um, a range of amazing clients and some of the, those clients are further on in their journey in terms of um, more progressive representation of, of women and other minorities um, in advertising. So when those opportunities present themselves, you sort of really push into that and 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 take that opportunity uh, you know the work that we do with Westpac is certainly um, a beautiful example of that um, and you know and then there are some clients who are you know a little bit further back on their journey um, and and that can be a, a matter of you know it's hard to let go of the past and it's hard to um, kind of let go of a view of your consumer that perhaps is outdated um, and start to think about your audience in a new way. So I'm really passionate about this, Fran, because there is very robust research to show the impact on our girls as they grow and then further into our adulthood when we are surrounded by images of really skinny women, when we're surrounded by images who are only ever seen as sexualized, it impacts on the way men uh, their attitudes and boys as they grow what yes. their attitudes you exactly. know so so what do you know of the harmful impacts of this kind of sexism in advertising yeah there is a lot of um, good evidence now to back this up I think it's something we all intuitively know and that is the advertising and probably 
media in general, it sets, um, it sort of sets the tone for what is okay, you know, what is acceptable and also what is aspirational, what is um, desirable. So when we perpetuate stereotypes of women in certain roles or um, the objectification of women, the over-sexualisation of women and actually men too, um, what that says is this is what society expects of you. Um, And because advertising works, um, you know, a huge amount of the time advertising is working on a less conscious level, right? Um, In fact, human beings most of the time uh, going about our lives um, in, in in a less kind of conscious way. So all of these things um, we take in, we might not kind of weigh them up and really analyse them and make informed choices about them at the time. They sort of, uh, I, I remember hearing a quote, uh, we marinate in the culture um, and we might not know how much it's, it's shaping us. So as women, it shapes our own self-image and our esteem. But for men, it also lets them know what's acceptable and uh, men who are exposed to, um, you know, more advertising and and media that objectifies or sexualizes women are more likely to think that or to be tolerant of um, of sexual harassment and sexual abuse. So it's this notion of what's okay and what is not okay, and and advertising plays a big role in framing that up for for society at large. Well, that's so. I really like what you said, Fran, about saying looking at things in a less conscious way. I know that I'm quite aware of that too. Just you know, we, we see so much imagery, um, scrolling, of course, doing this, glancing over something. So, like your brain's just taking in all this information, which I think is um, very poignant when you said, like, it's just kind of popping in and then and then leaving. But it's there. We see it. You know, it's around. Yes. But, um, what I, I came across this great term. I was um, reading this, story, this article yesterday and it's called Sneaky Sexism. And I thought mm-hmm. that, that title alone just kind of grabbed my attention. And it was put out by um, a uh, consultancy business in the UK that specialises in female audiences. And uh, they were saying, like, if I can quote them, it's the same trick of saying you need to change, but it's moved from physical appearance to behaviour and attitude, which is just as damaging. And I thought that was really interesting. Are you finding wow. that as well? Like it's because you were saying before, like with some of your clients are there and some are not. So you're kind of you you're in a role of having to educate your clients as well as get your creatives on board as well. So it's this kind of two pronged direction with yeah. it. So how do, how do you feel about that? Are you seeing clients kind of seeing that change, or are you having to um, yeah. work in the, that mold as well? I think that's interesting, and I think that. You know, um, the baby steps are sort of about representation, right? Are we seeing diverse audiences? Are we seeing minorities in advertising and in the media? But but for me, that's like base camp because mm-hmm. uh, it's actually about the role that we're playing, right? So if women are continually in supporting roles, um, not in um, in kind of leading roles or um, in roles that we don't typically get portrayed in um, and in categories, right? So you look at financial services for years, it really only spoke to men. And um, the implications of that, when we think about gender inequality in um, in a financial sense throughout women's lives. Um, so I think it's yeah, coming back to this notion of 
it's the role. And I think that goes to your point about the behavior. Um, but, but the challenge I think is, yes, it's challenging for us in agencies to educate. Um, agencies still have a long way to go um, when it comes to diversity as well. And so do the client organizations or corporate culture in general, right? Because um, it's only until very recently that we're seeing more, um, more representation of women and minorities in leadership roles in corporate culture. So um, that's the context that advertising comes out of. And I want to acknowledge that um, we are, you know, three white women speaking about this. And so um, there, there's an element of diversity, even in broad radio that we, you know, sometimes fall short of. And it's critical that advertising uh, really brings diverse images, women with disabilities, women of color, you know, women over 45 having an active life. What about that? <laughs> that would be extraordinary. Um, but what I find really strange, and maybe you can help me with this, Fran, is it feels like the audience is way ahead of the creatives a lot of the time, way ahead of the brands. And I'm yeah. thinking specifically of Victoria's Secret, who have only just rebranded from the Angels, which is this, you know, completely unattainable and bizarre ritual that they had every year in which they would wear <laughs> they would wear lingerie that nobody would wear in the, ever. Like, it was completely impractical. Um, this ritual to now they've rebranded to what they're saying is, you know, um, that the world has changed and we've been too slow to respond to it. And I'm quoting from Martin Waters, who is uh, from Victoria's Secret, and he's saying we needed to stop being about what men want and to be about what women want. And they've got this extraordinary group of beautiful women of very diverse backgrounds and very different shapes and, you know, representing lots of different, uh, organi you know, parts of society, I suppose you'd say. Um, but why would it take something like a Victoria's Secret so long to understand that, that of course it's about what women want, not what men want? Of course the audience has moved on and, and we want something that actually reflects our lives and who we are. Yeah, and I think that's a, such a great point that you made about how culture moves more quickly than corporates. Um, what I find fascinating actually about the Victoria's Secret example is that you know, that show was incredibly successful for them and and, and built a, a kind of an empire. And then, you know, culture can, can actually shift quite rapidly, which is fascinating to me. Um, so it was it was you know this this fall you know the fall of the of the of the angels and and um and victoria's secret kind of happened around the time of the you know so the last sort of four or five years with with me too emerging in such a powerful way um and you know and perhaps this new generation or just maybe it's a critical mass and a tipping point where there's enough conversation that we ourselves as women also question why were we into that um you know, that, that show had pageantry and drama and pop, you know, it, it turned those supermodels into, into pop cultural icons um, and people tuned in all over the world. Um, and how quickly culture changed to, to, to say no longer are we interested in that, no longer is that acceptable. And, um, you know, and, and then sadly there's this really awkward time for, mm. for the business. It, it finds itself very out of step very late to the party, looking like um, a little tokenistic, to be honest. Um, and it will have to, I think, 
put in some some genuine effort. Um, you know, I was reading something actually about Victoria's Secret. They haven't even changed their sizing yet. Mm. Um, so, you know, <laughs> how, how serious are they about it? Or, or perhaps it's just going to take them a while to, to catch up. Um, you know, I think a better example is, is Barbie because it's kind of in the same world, right? Like mm. I think there were some researchers in Finland who, um, who revealed that if there was a human being with the proportions and body fat of Barbie, the original, that woman wouldn't be able to stand up. Um, so, you know, Barbie sales were, were falling off a cliff similarly to, to, um, to Victoria's Secret, right? But mm-hmm. probably over a longer period of time. And that's not because kids didn't want to play with dolls, right? We still role play as such an important part of childhood. Um, but Barbie's transformation um, in recent times has been really cool because it's, you know, looking at the product from the product out, how does that change more um, realistic body shape, um, different um you know, representation of different ethnicities, um, but also the roles that Barbie's playing, you know, the diversity of those roles and how important that is. I think zero to five years mm. is, is the most um, formative, kind of shapes our identity the most. And the nice thing about that is there's a commercial success story. So now Barbie is actually driving top line growth for Mattel. So it's important you know, inclusivity and and positive, progressive gender representation is important for first and foremost socially, but it's also important commercially. Yes. Well, how then can consumers make a difference, Fran? We've got this amazing Shequel campaign and uh, if you right. go to Shequel, you can get a reporting sexist advertising toolkit, which is empowering the consumer to actually... I don't know, speak up and say, I don't like what I just saw. But what, what kind of power do you think the consumer has? Uh, yeah, I love that. I love that, we, you know, if you do notice it consciously and you want to do something about it, that it is becoming easier to call it out and say no. Um, but I think the great thing is that consumers are already doing something about it um, because more progressive gender representation and advertising is more effective advertising. And there's an organization that's quite similar to Shequel um, called the Unstereotype Alliance. And it's um, a collaboration with the UN. So it's working kind of on a global scale. And they have partnered up with a big research company and they're able to look at when they test advertising for its effectiveness. Um, they add a little question, which is, um, you know, asking people whether they felt that women were portrayed in progressive roles and in progressive ways in this advertising. And advertising with a really high um, score in this area also scores really highly when it comes to things like um, purchase intent. So consumers are actually already um, the driving force for change. But what I like is that, you know, if you do consciously see this, um, you can call it out through um you know, I feel like we're, we're so much more empowered in general now. You can kind of take to social media and have a go at that company. Mm. Um, or you can look at uh, organisations like Shequil, which are kind of driving policy change and um, and also providing consumers with ways to, to protest. 
Yeah, I think that's really key, don't you reckon, Carrie? If we just go, I'm not buying that product anymore. I'm calling that yeah, absolutely. out. Absolutely. You, 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 you know, you lead with your dollars, don't you? Like that's that's how we sent. We're sending. Absolutely. It's such a great, such a great website. I did a bit of a deep dive into it um, the last couple of days as well, friend. Um, so congratulations on it. I think it's, I think it's great for all of us to have a read of and uh, and get behind it and um and yeah and certainly report when necessary. Yes. Yes. Thank yeah. you so much, Frank Clayton. It is so interesting. Pleasure. And uh, yeah, I'm really pleased that there are people like you leading the way within the industry because without your leadership, uh, nothing's really going to change. Exactly. Thank you so yes, much. Thank you, Fran. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Broad Radio, talking inspo we love, info we need, and sharing more of us. Watch and listen live every Tuesday, 9am, Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time at broadradio.com.au or find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and LinkedIn at Broad Radio Oz. Talk to us live. Call on 1300 8 Broad. Catch up on demand anytime, anywhere, every time, everywhere. On the train, we'll be here. 2 a.m. existential crisis, we've got you covered. Broad Radio, here for more. So, Kerry, uh, it's time yes. for something. If I, if this was commercial radio, right, I would have a, a natty little jingle and someone would have voiced <laughs> uh, a title for this segment, which I'm calling Learning Things We Should Already Know. Learning things we should already know. Um, today, today, it's hormones. Um Learning things we should already know. I know not much mm. about hormones and they obviously make up a fair amount of what goes on in my body. Mm. So we're very, very pleased to welcome to the show Nat Kringudis, who's a women's health expert. She's a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner and an acupuncturist. Good morning, Nat. Good morning, Hello, Nat. Hello, ladies. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I reckon you must hear that all the time from women. I don't know anything about my hormones. What even are they? Yeah, all the time because we're not, well, our generation, we were never taught properly. We got taught, don't have sex, you'll get pregnant. That was about it. That was <laughs> <Yes>. the 101. <laughs> and so we're here to, you know, we have to learn this now for the next generation to change it. But we've got such an awesome opportunity to do that by learning ourselves or relearning ourselves to, to teach them and lead them properly. Yeah, my, my children are grown up, so 
I've left my rounded late. But, <laughs> but, but I think maybe for my grandchildren, whenever that may be. Oh my God, no, that's down the track, down the track. But certainly, like, I'm just really keen to um, to educate myself for my friends that have young children as well. I think it's super important, and not just to think about hormones um, at menopausal time. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I really feel like this is how we change the landscape of women's health long term. And you're right, you might not have grandchildren yet, you might not have your children might be past that age. But I think it's always important that we're learning and we can pass on information to the next door neighbor's children, or whoever it might be that you come across. And we also get to set an example. And I feel like that's the most important thing here. I get a lot of mothers say to me, how can I make my teenage daughter listen? And I'm here to tell you, you can't. You absolutely can't. But what you can do is you can be an example. And I think that's the most important thing. But if you're sitting there every month hating on your body, blaming it on your hormones, we do that all the time. I'm so hormonal. But what does that actually mean? Mm. If you don't know what that means, then, you know, that that's useless. Um, we're very good at, at blaming it on something and we're very good at complaining about it. So why would our children even want to understand their hormones if it's such a chore, if it's such a burden and drama. And this is why a lot of teenagers, especially I believe, uh, led to contraceptive methods, which I'm not here to argue whether or not children should take contraceptives or not, but I really want them to have the facts. And I really want mothers to have the facts when they're making choices for their daughters because very often these contraceptive methods are prescribed when there's actually some type of imbalance that exists that probably needs to be fixed first before we utilise contraception. So it's about having these conversations to become curious. And my whole mission really is to help women understand their bodies simply so that they can make informed choices for their long-term health and that came about because I was seeing so many women heartbroken because their fertility was just not where they thought it was going to be when they came off birth control and I had this light bulb moment thinking well hang on a minute I could actually reach out to the younger woman to help her understand what her symptoms are telling her use those as clues and maybe we could make some changes here for the better but I feel like there's still this gap missing and that's why it does start with us definitely. Okay, so I, there is so much that you just said then that I'm like, ah, oh, my head is spinning. Firstly, you're right. I had never had the side effects and the long-term impact of birth control and being on the pill explained to me. And I didn't make any effort to investigate that. So I think it's absolutely critical that we speak to our young women about that. And I think that maybe our GPs fall over when it comes to that kind of conversation um, because it's an easy fix, right? Absolutely. Well, there isn't another solution. At the time mm. when we're presented to our GP, that's the solution for them at that point. Also, your GP doesn't necessarily have the liberty of time. They're mm. on a very tight time, time schedule. When we, in especially in alternative therapies, we set aside an hour, an hour and a half to sit with a patient, look at their lifestyle, look at their nutrition, look at the family history, look at their tests. And so I feel like that's that's an issue where maybe it's the gynecologist that is getting missed there as well. And I think that's a big piece of the puzzle when there is hormone imbalances. And we're seeing a lot of girls experience polycystic ovarian syndrome or endometriosis. And so these are going undiagnosed because we're going to the GP, we're presenting with symptoms, they're giving us the solution of birth control. And don't get me wrong, that can definitely buy some time to work out what needs to happen. But as a long-term solution outside of contraception, it can be problematic because if it's not actually treated at the time of diagnosis, 
then it goes untreated for many, many years. And so it is, it's just about coming back and having that information. But our poor GP is doing the best that they can when they don't have a lot of resources and they don't have a lot of time necessarily. So I love this conversation because I think what it allows us to do is to become curious and women are definitely doing this now more than ever before. We're asking questions when we're going to our healthcare providers. We're invested more than ever in our health and we need to get solutions that are actually right for us individually, not a one size fits all. And again, I think that's where the problem lies with birth control anyway, like you said, Joe. Mm. Um, great that we're having this conversation now because I was actually just talking to my best friend the other day and she has, um, her daughter is seven and is now experiencing which is early onset puberty. She's got pubic hair, she's got hair on her arms, her moods are changing, and this young little poppet is seven years old. Is this happening more and more, uh, you know, with, these, with our young girls starting to go through early onset puberty or precocious puberty or whatever we call it these days? And, and is that, can, it, can it be changed? How do you start that conversation? I know Ali is so worried about what her little mm. one is going to experience at school, you know, like in the change rooms when they go swimming carnival or any of that kind of things. You know, she's the only one at the, at the moment and she's seven. Yeah, it, it's interesting. It's becoming, for me, more and more common that I'm seeing uh, patients present with precocious puberty. And I think often, well, usually I'm not the first point of call. And so we need to rule out anything serious with precocious puberty. And in all the patients that I've seen, thankfully, it hasn't been necessarily a serious problem where there's an issue with the pituitary or the brain. It's actually just been an early onset unexplained and they've been left to sort of say, it'll be fine in the long run. But like you said, what about the short term? I think that there's more research that definitely needs to be done in this area. But I think the reason we're seeing this, in my opinion, is our lifestyle and heightened stress for mothers that are pregnant and expecting, but also heightened stress for children. So there is some research that indicates that when a mother is expecting and experiences high stress, it can activate the child or the unborn child's adrenals. And that may be a contributing factor. Still, like I said, more research needs to be done. But what I'm also seeing is heightened stress in these children. And then they're presenting with precocious puberty. And it's only something that I can't actually say there's enough research in. But in my opinion and in my experience, I've always been able to link it back to some type of childhood trauma whether it's been a loss of a loved one that was close by or something um, that was my, a traumatic experience for a child, that seems to activate, which makes sense, activate the adrenals and we start to see this early onset. I think it's probably the perfect storm as well. Um, poor nutrition, not necessarily poor, but unknowing chemicals like we've talked about in the environment, in our foods, in our water, in our body products. They're all contributing factors. And then when I say the perfect storm, it probably also genetics, you need to look at the, the genetic pool as well. So there's lots of parts that we can pull on that then we might see this actually present for young girls. But it's definitely a real issue. And so what I found is if we can address those lifestyle factors and we can address those emotional stresses, then that can be something that can help to slow that down a little bit, which is nice news for the parents because if there's nothing actually seemingly wrong which a is good news but still why is it happening um then you can start to do some other things to maybe slow it down so that they can have some time to catch up and go through puberty when their peers are going through puberty but i mean it's stressful enough getting your period mm. as a 13 year old i can't even imagine what it would be like as a nine or even seven or or, or younger like mm. that to me yeah. 
I can't even imagine. Oh, it, it breaks your heart because emotionally they're not as mature as a 13-year-old. Obviously, they can't be. And then they're having to sort of manage something that is probably, you know, it's a much more adult thing than perhaps they're ready for. Um, but so going back to learning things we should already know, um, which is the title of this segment, Nat, um, <laughs> when you talk about blaming our hormones, um which is, yeah, I've done that my whole life. Like it's sort of maybe it's a narrative that we're taught. Um, how can we actually embrace whatever is happening with our body and our hormones? And what even symptoms would I be able to attribute to my hormones? Yes, I love this question so much because like I said and like you've just realised, we blame it on our hormones all the time, yet no one's really sat us down in our older years and gone, what does it mean? So mm. I think we're very also, we're also really good at complaining about our bodies, complaining about our symptoms and not actually flipping that and asking ourselves, what is my body actually telling me? Mm -hmm. What do these symptoms mean? And could they actually lead me on a course of curiosity and discovery to learn what might be going on for me? And so when we start to flip it around and look at symptoms and they can be anything from insomnia, missing periods, uh, weight gain, um, hair loss or facial hair, acne, PMS, ovulation pain, I can keep on going. There's there's so many symptoms because hormones control everything. And we're talking about specifically our sex hormones and our stress hormones more than anything, and they tend to battle it out for each other. But if we can start to profile the symptoms, we can then start to work out what's actually going on. And I think that's really Instead of it being something that we have to hate on, we can start to find clues about ourselves, learn more about ourselves, and especially look at if our symptoms are cyclic. So if you're seeing a headache at the same time every month, yes, you can blame it on your hormones, but you can probably blame it on imbalanced estrogen levels for if, you, if you can go down the rabbit hole, and we can look at what that means. Or very commonly as we get older, we're seeing lower testosterone levels, and that can be problematic with libido, um, vaginal dryness, we can, you know, the, the, the symptoms are all very obvious. So don't hate on your symptoms. If you can just hear me out for a second, just mm -hmm. start to let them become, you become more curious with them. And the reality of that is when you can work out the imbalance, you can actually fix the problem, which is good news to many women, but it's not something, again, we've never really been taught. Mm. Oh, I like I like that very much. Listening to your body, and I think I've I've by now that I'm fifty one and out the other side of menopause, that I'm really starting to. You know, my body has changed so dramatically. Um, you know, I was very lucky, kind of, I guess, hormonally growing up. The only time I had any sort of inadvertent experiences when I had the injection contraception when I was about twenty four, I think I was, and it was horrendous. And I, and then I've never had any contraception since, but. Um, I just find that so when you when you wanted to do that that research, is it really confusing? I find it a little bit confusing when you can you can, you can get on the Doctor Google, which can be problematic in itself, <laughs> and go down as you said rabbit holes. How do we know? You know, I'm all into integrative medicine and alternative therapies. I, I love it myself. So how do we go down and how do we find out the answers without getting completely confused and what's what's right and what's not? 
Yeah, there's a lot of resources out there, I think, which is really exciting. I know I've dedicated my whole career to helping women understand this. In fact, I always say I want to become irrelevant in my patients and my followers' lives so that they're empowered and they've got all the information. Um, But there's a lot of resources out there um, that allow us to do this. There's a lot of online information, quizzes that you can profile your symptoms in. I've got a really lame one on my website, which women absolutely love, um, that you can go in and look at. It's a little bit like a Dolly Doctor quiz. You go in and you're like, what well, I'm mostly A's or I'm mostly B's. But just to start, it's not going to give you all the answers, but it's an opportunity to get curious, like I said, and, and look at what symptoms we're being presented with. Enough for you to then have an information to go to your GP and say, hey, I think it might be my hormones and could we test them? And this is the other, other area where we want to make sure the right person's looking at our hormones and where we might need our gynecologist because if somebody doesn't understand how to read that, that can become mm. problematic as well. So we want the right person. So someone who specialises in women's health and hormones is probably going to be better than somebody who just specialises in general health. But look, doing the tests on the right days and then looking at what our body is telling us alongside symptoms, not one and not just the other on their own, can really be very useful. And I want to say, the majority of our symptoms I see for women is a direct result of our diet and lifestyle. So oh. if if you have a hormone imbalance and you don't know where to start, you start there. You start with your nutrition. You start with movement if you're not doing those things and do it for four weeks and see where that lands you. But I don't know that it's, it's never a dangerous thing to put out there to, to look at your nutrition and look at your movement. And, and I think that we can all benefit from that. And that, that is a, already that's quite a revelation to me because no one in my entire life since I got my period has said, what are you eating that's going to impact on your hormones? Like I know mm. that eating can impact on my moods. That's a fairly new thing probably in the last 10 years. But no one's ever said, well, so what foods should we be eating for optimal hormone health? Mm. Love this question. So there's a lot of research obviously now going into this area and I learned something new the other week and it was because I was talking to somebody about more so specific to fertility and and women as we age and there's um, some new research that's come out that has shown that we can not only improve our egg quality but if we include enough fat and protein and I'm talking about quality fats so we know this now, right? Avocado, uh, oily fish, nuts and seeds, good oils, um, that we can not only reverse the aging process but we actually improve our egg quality and they they start they studied this in um people over a a, a 12 week or three month period and some of them had reversed their age by up to three years so that's great news to somebody who's sitting here listening going i think i've missed the boat i've run out of time to have Mm. children or maybe you haven't so I think the key takeaway is definitely fat and protein. And I think that's probably the one that we've, we're, we're getting more used to now. But it definitely was the thing that in the 90s, especially for me, you didn't touch fat. Fat was no. bad and it was all about, it was all about no, no sugar. Totally. Um, you wouldn't yeah. have put butter so, on your toast in the 90s. Never. No. Now <laughs> you <laughs> slather it on. That's right. <laughs> the is the carrier for the butter, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> all the that's why we have bread. <laughs> Correct. Correct. So so just a- adjusting that and, and really that should be every meal. Every meal should mm. include adequate fat, adequate protein and adequate plants. And if we can look at it that way and try not to get too bogged down in it, that's the other thing. But if you're eating whole foods, again, you can't really get it too wrong. I don't think anyone's ever 
ever found themselves in too much trouble from eating, well, unless you've got terrible digestion, too, too much uh, avocado or too much spinach, for example. But it is those <laughs> inflammatory foods that do impact our gut, unfortunately, and they're the ones that we could eat all day, the sugar, the gluten, the dairy. So we're not here to say don't have those, but they are definitely on the sometimes list and we can bring those whole foods back into our nutrition plan. The other one thing I will say that I feel is just as equally important is our stress levels. And mm. our, our stress hormones are in direct rep- proportion to our, our sex hormones. And that's why I said before, our lifestyle plays such a big role and, and how you can you know correlate that. But stress is at an all-time high. And I really feel like it, it's important to understand just the impact this is having on our sex hormones. It literally pulls the brake on our sex hormones. So that impacts you know, all of these symptoms we were talking about, but especially our fertility. And so being mindful around stress becomes one of the biggest gifts I teach patients. And it just starts with exactly that. I want you to be mindful of when you're feeling overwhelmed. And if you can be aware of when you're feeling overwhelmed, just being aware of it is enough for you to be able to say, oh, here I am again. Maybe I need to pull up on that. I don't Mm. need to waste my precious stress hormones, upset my sex hormones, all because someone upset me at work or because I'm running late to pick the kids up. So just become aware of stress, I think, is really important as a hack as well. Yeah. Do you know what, Nat? I was trying to get pregnant when I was doing breakfast radio, and I am convinced that's why I was only ever able to have one child because I just was so fatigued and my, you know, all of my hormones were just depleted completely. I'm convinced of that. Do you know what, Joe? I think also, I, I, I look. There's, there's evidence to suggest that definitely we, we, we can do it all, but mm. we don't always get to have it all, right? And something has to give with that. And I think as women, we're amazing multitaskers. We've been able to achieve more than you know women have in how many centuries, and I, and I love that. But at the same time, there does come a moment where we might have to actually create space for fertility. And this is the one thing that I think we aren't be, this doesn't get spoken about. You might even go to your fertility specialist and some of my patients have been told that their stress doesn't matter. Mm. And unfortunately, the evidence now is out there to say it absolutely does on every level, whether it's nutritional stress or lack of nutrition, um, you know, when it comes to body clocks like you're talking about, having to wake up early, um, there's so many different stresses alongside trying to juggle so many balls in the air and do everything and environmental stresses and all these it's coming at us from all angles so it is important that we can do the basics to get that at least those foundations set up so that we can have well almost have our cake and eat it too yeah oh great well advice. what what a great first episode of learn yeah. things we should already know you've <laughs> yeah. brought to us Nash. oh there's plenty more where that came from. <laughs> I, I know i know we could talk for hours unfortunately we're getting to the end of the show but the interesting thing to me that you have really highlighted is that we just assume our bodies just go on mechanically because we don't have to think about it that's just what they're there to do but actually we do need to prioritize and make the space what a great message Kerry oh my god yeah fantastic I I, I work in um, breakfast uh, television so I'm well aware of those hours um, I'm not into fertility now obviously but um, I find my weight gain is definitely in correlation with working those hours and not much sleep Mm. yeah you know what the other thing i will just say as we close out is that as women we're always going through phases whether it's um whether we're at perimenopause or or menopause or postmenopause the phases don't stop we keep on going through cycles and i think we we kind of 
bunch years together, we go, oh, 20 years of perimenopause and then 10 years of menopause and then the rest of our life post-menopause, but we're still going through cycles. So it's important to be able to constantly assess what are the symptoms? What is my body telling me? And how can I use this information to actually get what I need and get what I want and not having to live with what I don't want? Ugh, it's so great oh. to hear, but I tell you, it's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> But great to be empowered, right? It's great to be empowered. Great conversation. <laughs> well, if we yeah. start from the beginning, then it won't have to be endorsing. That's the takeaway, isn't it, really? Yeah. Let's start at the beginning and be empowered for all of our days and empower Beautiful. our children as well. Oh, thanks, great Nat Kringoudis. It's just yeah. been fantastic to chat with you. Make sure you head to Nat's website, which is natkringoudis.com.au, maybe, I'm guessing. No AU, just no .com. AU. Just oh. com. Yeah, we, oh. we're international these days, or we like to think we are anyway. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, yeah, head along to Nat's website if you want to learn more. I know that she's a wealth of knowledge. Thanks so much, Nat. Thank, Thank you, you, Nat. Thank you so much. Uh, and we'll have more Broad Radio after this. Oh, Kerry, I've oh, learned that, so much. That was good. So good. Yeah, I'll be. It's interesting. You know, I know, Joe, you um, are very big on mindfulness. You know, mm. you talk, talk very openly about it. I know it's a practice of yours. I've recently got, got into that practice as well. I did a little, a little course a couple of weeks ago when in our um, lockdown. And so I'm trying to get on top of that as well. But it was interesting what Nat was just saying about, you know, still, we're still going through those cycles. So we still have to listen to our bodies to see what, we're, what we need. Um, yeah, I think that was a great conversation. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting too. And as I said, we are going to be talking about menopause and perimenopause next week as well. Um, that'll be learning things I didn't already know as well. <laughs> There's a whole list. I'll be listening to that one. <laughs> yeah, but the interesting thing that um, Nat said there around that you even after postmenopause, you are still going through cycles because there's an assumption that kind of, you know, well, you know, Put a, put a tick in that box, you're done, and then you just basically kind of live out your days waiting for the end. Like it just that's the yeah. way menopause is written about, and it's just not true. And your body is still going through incredible changes, and it's because it's a life force, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Because I found with me, I was always able to eat and drink whatever I liked my whole life, um, and maintained a you know smaller frame. But now that I'm not, I'm being really I have to be really conscious of it, and I eat I eat really well. I'm, I move now. I'm like, okay, but things aren't shifting. I'm not quite comfortable. So, okay, so I'll, I'll take up some more advice of Nats and uh, look into that a whole lot more. I mm. think it's the lack of sleep, definitely. It's the lack of sleep doesn't help. I know. I've been told that and I completely agree with it. And it's, yeah. it's, that is a sheer hell for you. And because you do do <laughs> breakfast radio hours, Kerry, my heart goes out to you. I know. <laughs> you know it all too well. <laughs> I know well. the trauma of it. But just on mindfulness, too. And the interesting thing about mindfulness is that it teaches you to listen to your body. And our bodies are a map of what we're feeling. You know, our body holds, there's a great book out there called Body Keeps the Score. And our body holds all of the things that we felt now but also in the past and it, it's a really interesting thing to explore it can be traumatic and really upsetting at times too but um you know i'm learning the older i get to really engage with the messages my body is sending and it's um it's a lovely thing yeah i'm into that yeah I hey um, what are we going to finish up with Joe? Got a well, story for me? okay so <laughs> last night you would have been aware that the abc ran their show around the survey that they did australia asks 
Was that what it was called? Australia Asks? I can't remember. Anyway, Australia, Australia, Australia Talks. Talks. They asked and then Australia Talks. They, right. they asked yeah. and then we, we chatted, yeah. <laughs> and it was a bunch of questions around our lifestyle and our views and opinions. And according to Twitter, the most controversial question was how often do you change your bed sheets? <laughs> uh, yes, I heard the results of that. That's not good. <laughs> It was a little bit disgusting. Yeah, Australians <laughs> don't do their laundry as much as they need to. But it made me laugh because to compare that and the outrage around whether or not people are doing their laundry on the ABC, in Norway, their national broadcaster have just released a, um, a different kind of piece of information, and that is a very extensive sex guide. Um, it's, it's a guide on, I think, up to 60 different positions that might be useful to you, particularly if you have a dodgy back, if you're pregnant, if, if you've got dodgy knees. They've got something for everyone there. And I just love that. Good old Norway. And that's, their, that's like the equivalent of the ABC have released that. Look, I wonder if it actually came with photos too. It actually just reminds yes. me of something I discovered one Christmas, pre-Christmas. I was a wee child, of course, hunting through the house for hidden Christmas prezies. And, of course, looked in the bottom of my parents' cupboard. And I there discovered a couple of books on sex. One was 101 Positions, completely <laughs> photographed, right? And the, man, this was from the 70s. And I think this is why I'm not really into leopard print because the man was in a leopard print G-string. <laughs> and, of course, the woman was topless. Oh. Imagine that. I was just like, what is this? Oh my God! <laughs> totally traumatized. I would have been maybe. I obviously didn't believe in Santa, so I don't know how old I was. Maybe eight or so. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> Talk about a little education early. <laughs> yeah, it's too young to see a man. Oh, this is the photos from the the guide from Norway. I mean, you're right. Eight is too young to see a man in a g-string, whether it's leopard print yes. or not. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, highly traumatic. But I just love, I love this conversation around obviously sex being about health and relationships. It's not, it's not grubby. It's not dirty. It's not something that's shameful. I just really love Absolutely. that. And, and obviously making it accessible for all different kinds of people and uh, experiences because, you know, well, we're not Victoria's Secret models, are we? And Ro, you were telling me about ama an amazing book. This is Ro, our producer off screen there. Good morning. <laughs> Hi, Ro. Hello, you were Ro. telling me about an amazing book. Yes. Called? Oh, oh. Curvy Girl Sex. Curvy Girl Sex. Yes. So the fabulous Elle Chase, who's um, an LA-based sex educator, very, very body positive in her approach. And a couple of years back, she produced an absolutely magnificent book for uh, people with larger bodies and also people with different abilities. So it's all about finding all sorts of magnificent positions and tools and devices and things that just help make sex easier it's love fantastic it. so it's curvy girl great. sex l chase oh we'll have to get l on at some point yeah, yeah we'd love to invite her on broad Ooh, radio that'd be a great yeah. chat that'll be yeah. things we learn yeah <laughs> that's right things i should have known what in the, the new broad radio tradition <laughs> learning things we should already know kerry it's been a delight to uh, share this last hour with you thanks for uh, joining oh, me on broad radio likewise. today likewise great conversations thank you joe yeah, you have a great week and we will be back with Broad Radio yeah. Tuesday 9am next week. Till then, take care. Here's a cool fact. 
a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.